Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. What an excellent show we have teed up today is we're going to be speaking with a fellow entrepreneur, a B2B thought leader, extraordinary content creator, widely recognized industry expert and analyst, a digital guru, and top technology influencer. And we're just scratching the surface. Our guest today reaches millions of people each and every day and is followed by a lot of big names, Michael Dell, Jim Cramer, and a lot more. So I want to welcome in my dear friend, Evan Kerstell. Evan, how you doing? I'm doing great. That was a fabulous introduction. I think I'm going to hire you just to be my uh, <laughs> spokesman here. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> well, Evan, we were just chatting pre-show. Uh, it is uh, it's great to finally kind of meet you uh, here in the digital area. Uh, digital era, I guess this is the form of meeting after having followed you and really been a big fan of of how you create content and and share really meaningful, purposeful content for a couple of years now. I'm a big fan of yours. I, I like what you put out. I like the focus on good news. And you get it. You get community and positivity when there's so much negativity and depressing news out there. There, You can still put that aside and talk about the positive, uplifting, and uh, insightful uh, sort of educational stuff as well. So it's not Evan. all doom and gloom out there on social media these days. Evan, I knew we were kindred spirits already, but that that <laughs> response just further uh, further nails that down for me. So let's let's do this. I'm gonna. We've got the great uh, good fortune of picking Evan Kerstell's brain on a couple different areas across industry over the next uh, a few minutes here. But I want to start maybe with a question you don't get asked as often because I want to get to know you a little better. Uh, what part of the world did you grow up in? Well, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, right in the city, which is a little unusual given, you know, Baltimore and its current, uh, you know, uh, state of affairs. But I grew up in Baltimore. I grew up loving the uh, Colts, the Baltimore Colts. And, um, yeah, I still have connections with family in Baltimore City and uh, love the waterfront, the Inner Harbor. I was a rower, so I was rowing around the Patapsco River, and then went off to college. But uh, yeah, Baltimore is still kind of a southern city, you know, many, many people don't realize that. But um, it, it can be a fun place as well as having some struggles. Well, um, undoubtedly, uh, like so many cities out there in bigger cities, uh, struggling with different different aspects of what uh, civilization brings, This uh, where we are here in the digital era. I want to ask you, I, we uh, we heard this nickname for Baltimore, Smalltimore, not too long ago, because kind of even the urban city that it is, everyone knows each other in Baltimore. Is that right? Yeah, it's 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 a very friendly city. There are lots of neighborhoods, and each neighborhood is like its own town or village. So I, you know, I I spent a lot of time around Federal Hill and South Baltimore and Fells Point, and that's kind of where where we lived. And yeah, people from Baltimore. Are very friendly, very outgoing, kind of like you, Scott. You're you're a yeah. southerner. You you get it. You know, there's always a smile and a chit chat. 
And uh, I kind of miss that aspect, Boston. We're not, you know, like New Yorkers, we're not the most friendly people. We don't really give a <laughs> F kind of what you, who, what you are saying or doing or, but yeah, it's It's kind of that uh, charm city, I think is what Baltimore is officially called. Okay. All right. So small Baltimore, charm city, probably a lot more. Um, all right. So you mentioned uh, talking sports a little bit. Um, you're a big Colts fan. So you're probably, that doesn't make you a, um, who was the owner that moved the Colts to Indianapolis? That wasn't our. You know, I was just a kid, but yeah, it was uh, a sad day for Baltimore. In the middle of the night, they packed up the truck and moved to Indianapolis, for, and I'll never forgive them. But you know, being in Boston for twenty-five years, we, we know a thing or two about sports. So you know, yes. we consider ourselves a bit of the hub. NFL, of course, baseball, NBA, hockey. You name it, we got it here. So we love our sports in uh, in Boston. Agreed. Okay, one last thing. You mentioned you were a rower. That was new. I've never picked up on that throughout any any of uh, your content for the last couple of years. When I think of rowing, don't laugh, but I think of The Sopranos, and there's several scenes where uh, Polly Walnuts kind of uh, forces a rower to pay up. Are you were you a fan of The Sopranos? <laughs> I love The Sopranos. I, it was one of my favorite series. I occasionally rewatch an episode, but you know, no, there was no funny business uh, involvement in rowing. It's one of those things that you can do in high school and college, and kind of hard to get back in a boat as an as an adult. But my son's rowing now, so okay, kind of one of those those uh, traditions. And you know, you got in Boston, you got lots of rowing at Harvard and MIT and all the colleges here on the Charles. It's a, it's a fun sport. And rigorous and, uh, and demanding is, is my hunch. Um, so I definitely couldn't do it now. My, you, you know, <laughs> I'd do the, the old, uh, maybe we'll put a bunch of old guys in the boat and get a team <laughs> together again. It might be fun. I'll be the guy holding the, um, uh, the the mic on the front end, you know, given the cadence. Okay, that person just, is usually about four foot ten and weighs uh, <laughs> about eighty pounds. I don't think that's going to be your future profession. I don't qualify, I guess, for any aspect of rowing. But hey, I digress. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate you giving us a chance getting to know you a little better before we get into some other uh, industry related topics. I want to start, I think, for helpful uh, context and and background uh, perspective. Let's talk about what you did prior to um, you know, being an entrepreneur. So what did you do in industry kind of coming up through the ranks? Yeah, very much in the telecom and enterprise and networking space with companies like uh, Intel and Philips and consulting companies and startups. So, you know, 25 years in enterprise tech and telecom and sales and biz dev and alliances and that kind of thing before, gosh, eight, nine years ago, struck out as an independent um, and so never looked back. So although I enjoyed my, I learned a lot in the corporate world, it is kind of a rat race after a while. And it, it's a nice getting away from that. Although, of course, many of my clients are companies that I work for and with in the same industry. So go figure. Once you're, <laughs> it's like the mob, like you were just saying, once you're in, you can never get out. You really can't. Alive. <laughs> <laughs> So let, let me ask you this before we get into um, uh, getting your take on a few things. What what role was it, if you remember? And it may not have been one you know eureka moment, but do you remember when the the value of meaningful and intriguing and purposeful content really struck you? You know, in that twenty five years in industry. Well, it's interesting. I, I started using LinkedIn very early, 
And this is when LinkedIn was about finding a job and a, and a sort of digital Rolodex. And I started sharing news on it, just sharing stories. And everyone I was connected to was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You're, you're like a, a media company. You, you share all the coolest news. And I built a, an audience, sort of a following when LinkedIn was, you know, really just about your, you know, finding a job. And if you fast forward, you know, 12, 15 years forward, it's funny, most people still use LinkedIn as a Rolodex when right. what LinkedIn really is now is the content company. It's a media company. It's a way to publish, uh, to blog, to do video, live video and audio conferences and to get noticed and to find customers and on and on and on and on. And yet still people view it as the way to find a job and they're not utilizing even brands, not utilizing all of the capabilities that are there after all. With Microsoft, LinkedIn is now has a graph of the entire enterprise world. So it's a tremendous uh, platform. Agreed. Uh, and there are, to your point, there's a lot of folks that really take a narrow definition of what, what it can be used for. It's a great point. Um, okay. So you mentioned eight or nine years ago, you kind of struck out on your own after after uh, having some big roles out in the industry, a lot of tech in your background, of course. Um, tell us in a nutshell, and folks, to all of our listeners out there, we're not going to be able to do this justice. Uh, Evan is a part of so many initiatives and uh, events and and uh, uh, um, cool projects out there. But in a nutshell, Evan, uh, how do folks work with you? Well, um, you, you know, as an influencer is kind of a bad description of what I do. But I'm essentially sort of a mini media uh uh, one-man empire that delivers educational, interesting content to a defined audience. And that audience being CXOs, CIOs, CTOs, media journalists, analysts in the B2B tech space. And I do it through, you know, content of written word, spoken word, podcasting, and and video live streaming to that audience. And I um, obviously promote my clients, but I do it through education and analysis and providing insights and building community and covering events and on and on and on different kinds of digital and social activations. So, and there are a lot of people like me, both, you know, firms, but agencies, but even individual solo practitioners who have built a personal brand and built an audience and can leverage that with clients and gosh, every vertical out there, whether it's uh, supply chain, like you're focused on or right. internet of things or AI or 5G and th those areas in which uh, cloud, I, I focus. Perfect segue, because uh, I'm going to talk to you about AI and some other technologies. But first, very few, you're awful gracious there, but very few are touching literally millions of people each and every day. And I love how you, as we mentioned on the front end, create that content, that sense of community, but that content, is, there's no infomercials. We all love Ron Popeil, right? Uh, rest in peace, Ron Popeil. Set it and forget it. Man, I'll never forget some of those. But, you know, con you, you can reach people, move the needle without, you know, straight up selling them in a, in a tweet or a LinkedIn post or what, what have you, a live stream, which I really enjoyed live streams. Um, so back to some of the technology you mentioned. Um so you can't have a conversation in supply chain or elsewhere these days without saying the words AI, artificial intelligence. It's all AI all the time right now. But Evan, given the technology guru that you are, what is one technology you feel that we should be talking more about, needs more visibility, and, and maybe what's one of your favorite applications of that um, under 
under uh, respected technology? Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about something I've been obsessed with for uh, 30 days, uh, 60 days. It's, it's, it's within AI, but it's, it's something you may have played with. Many of the listeners or viewers have probably experimented with. That's chat GPT, which is called generative AI. And basically, it's a tool for creating written content, whether it's a story, a blog, a song, a code. It actually can create music, you know, musical uh, scripts, uh, questions. You can create any kind of written questions through giving it uh, direction and prompts and guidance. And the output of ChatGPT is is so stunned and, and just amazed a lot of us professionals and even consumers. It's become one of the most popular sites on the internet with over a million registered users in a few weeks, which if you look at the history of Facebook and, and you know Instagram, they didn't even get that kind of reach within just a few mere weeks. And mm-hmm. it is an amazing tool. Uh, have you played with it yet? I haven't, I've seen some of uh, the poems, the holiday poems, I think that you used that to create. Yeah, I wrote Christmas, Christmas cards and yes. uh, it was it was so fun and, and, and you know, entertaining. At the same time, um, it, you know, as an author created a children's book in about 30 minutes using images from a, a related app called Dolly. The, the text and narrative, the story from ChatGPT, put it together, published it on Amazon and every child children's writer out there was was furious with that person for <laughs> using this this approach to creating content. But you know, this is going to work into every aspect of marketing, uh, content creation, writing writers, whether it's copy or for advertising or for research. And you got all the kids out there, of course, who are going to use it to create their writing assignments, which is going to just yeah, that's going to be a massive issue <laughs> on the educational right. side. But um, th- that's what I'm, I'm just obsessed with. It, it, you know, it may or may not have co-authored ten of my last blogs over the past sixty <laughs> days. Um, I'm not even half kidding. Um, so get out there and try it. it. It's sort of like your personal writing collaborative writing assistant. And for those of us who don't really enjoy the the uh, process of writing, you, you know, it can be you know uh, pretty mundane. The mm-hmm. idea of having you someone help not just with the text, but just copy and different formulations of ideas, and having some something I was going to say someone something to bounce different ideas off of in, in, a, in a collaborative way, a learning way is really exciting. So that's really? what I'm uh, I've been obsessed with uh, recently. You know, it's interesting. Um, when I was in school, uh, all the teachers were on the lookout for cliff notes, right? And, and <laughs> now the yellow. Point, the yellow books, yes. <laughs> right. And now it's, it's all about uh, these things that are going to help students complete their assignments a different way. Um, okay, so so on a related note, technology. Um, so love talking te- technology with a, a guru like yourself. CES, uh, Big Consumer Electronics, one of the biggest shows, I think, each and every year. Uh, I think it's always in Vegas, but it just took place, um, what, uh, last week? Is that right, Evan? Yeah, it was it was all week for the media as well, and over the just finished yesterday uh, or, or Sunday for the general public, and um, you know tremendous show, tremendous event. It's really back in person in a major way, and so many exciting things to chat about uh, CES. But one thing that I thought is interesting that I, I took away was the rise of mobility, and uh, you know last mile uh, delivery. 
and electrification of, of kind of everything. I mean, everyone's familiar with the electric car phenomenon and lots of Tesla fans out there, but m- many people don't realize is that all kinds of communication uh, vehicles uh, uh, are, are being electrified. So whether it's short hop, uh, you, you know, airplanes for commuters, whether it's uh, boats now, there was a Tesla of the sea kind of thing. Uh, that looked like a Tesla on the sea that, that was electric powered. Uh, there were, you, you know, uh, uh, full uh, trucks that are electrified. There were um, uh, ferries now, you know, that, that were being electrified. And the VV are obviously reducing carbon footprints, but leveraging an electrification network uh, to reduce, you know, emissions, but also fuel costs. Uh, it's just almost every modality was, was on display. So that, that's super exciting. And of course, more EVs, uh, you know, coming to the forefront. You know, Sony and Honda launched a new EV. Obviously, Tesla, Tesla is the 800 pound gorilla. Right. But, um, you know, BMW had a new EV on display that actually changed color. You know, it's kind of a separate little cool, uh, capability using e ink uh, technology. Um, but yeah, the electrification of everything and fast charging in particular, uh, where you know you can recharge your your vehicle, your de- device, your scooter, your your e bike in you know minutes versus hours. That was really interesting to see. So the, depending on the back on the Beamer, uh, depending on the mood you wake up in, I guess you can go green or you go blue or some yes. days. Yes, it's very Mondays. excellent for bank robberies. You know, the description <laughs> of the getaway vehicle was a white. BMW, and of course right. you change it to black, and you you get off scot free. But um, I don't think they thought through that use case. But um, <laughs> but yeah, if it's not electrified, it's going to be. And um, you know, e bikes is a big one as well here in the Boston area. We have lots of bike lanes, and students can other kinds of short commuting commuter commuting happening, and uh, really interesting to watch. It, it agreed. It's, 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 it's fascinating as an industry movement, right? And, and of course, the demand that's there. Uh, two quick comments. And also there. That, that short that that sort of last mile delivery for supply chain. Increasingly, that will be through an electrified, you know, little robot or maybe a drone, or of course, uh, battery powered. Um, it, you know, so we're seeing lots of ways to get that that maybe food order. Or that Amazon package delivered last mile in, a, in a, not only a more cost-effective way, but in a less um, uh, uh, challenging way for the environment. Agreed. You know, we got to give a little love on the Walmart teams because one of the areas that they're actually a little bit ahead of Amazon is with drone deliveries. We were just talking in recent weeks about um, they hit 6,000 drone deliveries in the U.S. Uh, in 2022. Uh, and Amazon still, after a couple... Um, mishaps. They relaunched a program in two 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 uh, municipal, uh, municipal areas uh, in December 2022. So, but to your point, your greater point, it's gonna be fascinating to watch how that ch- how that does shape not just the final mile of, mile of supply chain, but just all our, our life and journey uh, uh, in general. Um, the other thing about that, Evan, because you, you mentioned the supply chain behind EV, is the battery industry. I saw something earlier uh, this week that that showed, at least in the states, where the EV battery industry is really, you know, it's, it's, it's blowing up. Right here in Georgia, we've landed several 
uh, EV plants uh, because of some of the automotive uh, work that's that's here. You know, we've got a big Kia plant in West Point, Georgia, and and uh, I think we've announced two five thousand plus jobs tied to the EV uh, battery industry just for Georgia, like greenfield sites, in the last uh, six months or so. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's super exciting, and uh, the whole supply chain and tooling and manufacturing is being reinvented for EV, although there is you know, no free lunch in the world. So the downside is we don't have enough of the rare earths. We don't have enough of the lithium and the cobalt, and that's being mined in really uh, tough conditions in Africa and other places um, using you know, in terrible labor conditions. Right. So we kind of don't have enough of these metals to create the batteries we're going to need. And short of a breakthrough with new battery technology, it's going to be tough, but you know, again, no free lunch in life, so we have to do what we can with what we have. That's right, and and you know, every advancement comes with challenges. I think it's uh, you beat me to it, shining a big light on that aspect, that really uh, that front end of uh, the global supply chain in the electric battery market um, will be really important. Um, and you know, rare earth mineral mining is a terribly messy and environmental damaging uh, industry. And they're, they're looking to reinvent that a bit, especially to do more of it here in the States. But you know, nothing happens overnight. So we're going to keep our finger on the pulse as that uh, meets, struggles to meet the demand uh, of, of all the EV products out there. Um, all right. So our electric products out there, electric vehicles and uh, electric products. Um, so let's, let's shift gears. That was a great little departure, uh, Evan. I feel like we could talk for four or five hours, man. We'd just be scratching the let's surface. Let's do it. Let's just let's just completely <laughs> put our audience to sleep. We'll have one <laughs> listener, one last <laughs> listener. But no, I'm kidding. Yes. One fun. last listener that hangs on to the fifth hour. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk. So we're, we just kind of, uh, we're talking supply chain. I want to get your take on something. I think one of the cool things, despite all the challenges, you know, warts and all, as, as old saying goes, you know, supply chains really um, come to the forefront in many consumers' minds. You know, things, you know, how folks can get something next day or how they can return it as, easy, as easily as so many products can be returned these days. You know, forward and reverse supply chain. I think consumers are really, these savvy consumers are figuring that out uh, more than ever before. What's What's been your take? How have you seen folks kind of piece that puzzle together and uh, maybe start to figure out how global supply chains work and, and why they work a certain way? Well, yeah, it's 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 really uh, been an eye-opener for the average consumer or the average, you know, person like myself who really didn't think about supply chains, probably thought it was something you buy at Home Depot. I need a supply chain <laughs> for right. my garage or something, you know, so... It's only when you begin to see the ships backing it up in ports and you can't order, you know, a car or you can't get your favorite, uh, you know, uh, tool from from Walmart that you begin to understand the interconnectedness of, of these supply chains and how difficult and sensitive they are to disruption and and wars uh, and, and other things. So... That's actually what, you know, when I started following you and your team at Supply Chain Now, you know, I started to like, wow, I should kind of be aware of, educate myself uh, to some degree on what's happening because, you know, most of us even, you know, in the technical world really don't understand the supply chain. We think, oh, yeah, that that's, supply chain means made in China. Right. That's what, yeah. you know. Right. And, uh, the, of course, there's a, there's a very intricate 
and complex world that isn't easily, you know, attributed to one, you know, what was that great story about how to make a pencil? Right. You know, that uh, great video I think you posted and there's something like a million people and 80 countries required to come together to, to make a pencil, to design, manufacture, deliver a pencil, given the, the, uh, the supply chain interconnectedness. So yeah, no, I've you've been educating me on this. <laughs> well, it's so, you know, as humans, we all make assumptions, right? And I think, um, all of us can get lost in, uh, the modern conveniences of the, um, of the e-commerce age, right? And, and just come to really appreciate and not really think about when you click a button and you, you, you purchase that cart, you're going to expect it in a day or two. And, and, uh, I think one of the silver linings of the last few years, and there's, and there's really many silver linings if you go looking, as we both know, is is that um, that understanding and that education that took place. And really, as much as it's, this, this is going to sound pessimistic, but it's not meant to be pessimistic. You kind of alluded to it earlier. Really, we all found out how fragile global supply chains are. And, and that realization is going to help us, already has, make changes to... to I hate using the word resilient these days because everybody uses it, but really make make them stronger and more prepared for what's around the corner. As long as these lessons learned that we learn painfully truly stick and we don't forget them, you know? Yeah, it's amazing how adaptable and flexible and resilient, I'll use it, uh, humans are at the end of the day and how we right. manage with difficulty and challenges to kind of overcome diverse, uh, you know, uh, you know, diverse set of, of roadblocks and, it's been fascinating to watch, particularly on the semiconductor side, mm. where we've had such challenges, but we see some light at the end of the tunnel there. Agreed. Agreed. And, and the human element is one of my favorite parts of not just global supply chain, but global business, because that is the, that's um, in this ever growing more technology age we're in. It's fascinating and intriguing. The humans that make that power things forward. Uh, I love those stories. Um, all right. So let's talk about content creation. We have the opportunity to talk here with Evan Kerstel, who, uh, Kerstel, who, who, who uh, again, touches millions of people every day with content across a variety of channels. Listeners, if you're not following Evan on Twitter, you are missing out, let me tell you. Um, so, Evan, for folks that may be trying to up their game when it comes to putting compelling content out there or, or they want to become the next Evan uh, Kerstel, what 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 one or two pieces of advice would you give them? Well, I say don't put your eggs in one basket. So what I mean by that is both the type of content as well as the platform. You know, don't double down on one thing you may be more comfortable with. So if maybe you're 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 a good blogger and you're comfortable writing and you do a lot of writing on your Facebook or maybe your LinkedIn page but you kind of, maybe you're not into audio podcasting, you're not into video, you're really missing an opportunity to kind of creatively integrate the different modes of content together. So look at the spoken word, podcasting. I mean, I consume podcasts like all day long and audio books. Look at the video word. Some people will watch a two minute video. They would never read a 500, a thousand word blog. They're just not a reader. And so by looking at content across all those paradigms, you know, you're really going to reach a bigger audience. And also don't, you know, don't double down on one platform. Look, I love Twitter. I have all these followers there, but I'm also equally on LinkedIn and Instagram and Reddit and Quora and other places. So these platforms inevitably change, they die, their new ones emerge, 
and you don't want to be tied uh, professionally or even personally to one platform. And and finally, you know, get people off of social media. This may seem weird, but you know, you know, if you're a B two B or you're in a, working for a brand, you don't want people uh, just on your social platforms. You want them to visit your website. You want them to sign up to your emails uh, newsletter. You, you want them to go to your events in person. You want to, you know, try to capture uh, their their contact info, maybe their mobile phone for for text updates. And if 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 you're just capturing followers and eyeballs, you're at the whims and mercy of the platforms if mm. when, as and when changes come up. So again, get your get them to visit your website and 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 not just your Twitter page or your LinkedIn page. Man, uh, billion dollar advice there, and I really appreciate that. And and it, it's not being single threaded. Gosh, going back to lessons we learned in global supply chain, it as you're mentioning. Right. It applies to social media too, um, because being at the whims of the platforms isn't fun a lot of times, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can be, you can be hacked. You can have your contact uh, info, you know, stolen that way. You can be dis- deplatformed, maybe for something you said, uh, or the platform can die, and you miss the next big opportunity on the mm-hmm. the latest hot platform. So, yeah, uh, d- diversity and. And mixing it up is a great idea. Well said. Well said. Um, all right, I want to I want to shift gears here to some of the uh, what we call it give forward. You know, uh, here at Supply Chain now, you do a lot of it. Um, mentoring, uh, from what I gather, is uh, and, and have seen, is very important. Something you hold near and dear to your heart, Evan. Um, you've been a volunteer mentor for years, I believe, right? So I want to ask you. We're, we're going to pick some more. Uh, get some more advice from you. What is one important piece of advice that you'd offer up to mentors that are just getting started? Yeah, I think, um, you know, give uh, your advice and feedback selflessly. Um, You know, don't always expect something in return. Don't look for just quid pro quo relationships. Don't ask for anything. Just give. You know, a lot of what happens these days is so transactional. You know, you give some advice and then you hope or expect or want something in return. You want some outcome or result. And that what really isn't what um, mentoring is about. It's, it's about giving freely, uh, giving of yourself and your time without expecting you're going to get some payoff or payout or, you know, attention or, you know, even uh, – necessarily, you know, just tons of gratitude. Um, you just give for the sake of getting. It's, it, it's sort of a karmic kind of thing mm. and hope that it comes back to you in spades. Mm. And it, it, it makes the whole, it, it, when you give without expectations and whether you're mentoring or doing anything else, it really makes things easier, doesn't it? Yeah, and I would say not just giving in, in a mentoring concept, but even in a sales and marketing concept, Everyone is asking or pitching or wants something of you, uh, including on social media. Why don't, why don't you just give of yourself, give some advice, give a comment, a like, a share, without necessarily asking for something. Um, you know, I often give uh, a lot of attention to new clients, prospective clients. And I don't just ask for a deal. I don't ask for a meeting before I have some kind of uh, relationship or I've given some kind of value. 
So, you know, I think Gary Vaynerchuk talks about give, 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 ask, you know, so uh, to all those people out there sending you LinkedIn messages and DMs and they're always pitching and selling, why don't you just listen and engage and give first and maybe uh, that's a better way to sell and market. Mm. I love that advice. Um, I, I, I hate when folks, uh, look, we all make mistakes, right? Whether you're early on oh, yeah, in your journey, we're all in, you know, the, you know, the kids these days, you know, they don't know, you know, there's a hustle culture and, you know, and a number, it's a numbers game, but um, there is a better way to go about these things. Agreed. Uh, and, and don't, and one of my pet peeves uh, is uh, the folks that will take a snapshot of that inbound LinkedIn message and then kind of shame them out there across social. <laughs> Don't do that. I know, I know that we all, hey, we've all done stupid things like that. And, and you know, it, it, it can always be frustrated. But, man, uh, all these folks are humans, too. So most of them are right, I think, Evan, most of them at least. And, um, and some are bots. So we, right. we can shame the bots. Shame the bots. There's, no, <laughs> there's nothing worse than automated sales and marketing that has no persona or person or personality behind it. And I think of back to our original chat chat about chat GPT, you're going to see very human-like bots uh, over the next weeks, months, years that are going to uh, surprise you on the downside, whether it's for, you know, cybersecurity, whether, you know, Microsoft released a uh, deep fake, I call it deep fake, it's really a text to speech engine. So it can sample three seconds of your voice and create your recreate your exact voice with uh, the tonality, wow. the background noise, and you know just imagine the uh, well, the way that might be used for good, but also for bad. It's a brave new world. I'm thinking of lots of new a new era of pranks, uh, Evan. A new era of pranks. <laughs> um, Prank so. phone calls. That was my thing back in the day. <laughs> right. I used to love those. But now it's going to be a deep fake uh, AI bot that's going to be doing the pranking. And some of the pranks aren't going to be so nice. It's going to be, you know, a little old lady giving her her bank password to to someone she thinks she's talking to her grandkids and in their voice. So, yeah, there's going to definitely uh, be dark side of tech. Agreed. And and, and we're definitely not poking fun at that. I I see a lot of that uh, on YouTube. There's lots of professional scam fighters, I'll call them, that record their you know, all the calls and they, they really seem yeah. to educate how, you know, because all these, a lot of the most successful scammers have a certain methodology that's developed over time mm. and, and it's entertaining, but it also it's, uh, it's depressing on one side because they do take yeah. advantage yeah. Of, of a certain contingent. Um, where was I? I? I said pranking, changed my whole mindset. I, uh, I can't remember the platform. <laughs> But if my mom is listening, uh, I found a uh, a website a year or two ago, probably, where you could program. You just punch in a number that you want one of fifty templates to call, and I punched in my my mom and dad's number. And oh, uh, nice, nice son they raised there. Wow, <laughs> well, get this. very nice guy. On the other side, it was someone saying, "Hey, I'm trying to bring your one thousand two hundred twenty-seven dollars worth of pizza to your house, and I took a wrong turn. <laughs> and you can listen to to your parents respond to that. Oh, we had a blast with it. But anyway, um, all right. So I want to go back to mentoring. One last thing before we make sure folks know how to connect uh, with Evan um, here. Talk about. I, I know that all the all the mentees that you've been um, uh, that you've been part of their journey with have benefited from 
all of your expertise and, and your unique um, and intriguing view and perspective on this journey we're on. But what's one way that you think you've benefited from all of your mentoring? Well, I think it's um, just been connecting with, with great people. I, I mean, you never know, in, you know who you're going to meet, whether it's a hackathon or a digital event or an in-person event where you're, you know, giving away some of your insights and value maybe for free and, uh, or it's an online, you know, Twitter chat or a podcast. You just never know who you're going to meet. And some of them might be best friends. They might be clients. Uh, they might be collaborators. So by putting yourself out there and not just watching Netflix or hiding behind a screen, you're, you're sort of, um, creating opportunities that you can only imagine. I met the best people, on social media in that way, including people like yourself, Scott, and so many others. Uh, but you do have to, you know, put yourself out there and to make yourself visible and, and vulnerable to some degree. Uh, but the payoff, uh, you know, can be huge. Yeah. Well said. Love that. Um, okay. As much, I knew this time would fly by and I, I, I wasn't kidding about the five hour. We're going to take four hours. Go. Really? We, <laughs> we just, it was four hours long. It just, that's amazing. That last lister was saying uncle, so we better let them go. Um, <laughs> okay, but, we'll, let, we'll, let, we'll, we'll give up. <laughs> so I know there's a ton of different ways. You've, you've mentioned all the, uh, some of the channels out there that folks can find, John. But, um, well, for the debt, what's up with tech? I love the newsletter. That was one of the things, one of the first things that you put out there that really hit my radar. Whenever I think of your newsletter title, Rightly or wrongly, I think of that skit on Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's that's what it's all about. What? What's up with that? Yes. What's up with that? <laughs> right. What's, I love that guy. What's his oh. name? I can't even remember his name. Oh, he's it, hilarious. So, it really so yeah, is. I kind of co-opted that name, <laughs> and hopefully I won't get sued. <laughs> well, but, the guy uh, that yeah, newsletters are great. You know, I mean, everyone's talking about social media. Well, it's old is new again. Newsletters are back. Blogging is back. Having a website. All these things have, have not gone away. So marketers, I hope you're paying attention. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and so what's up with tech that comes out every week, right? Every week when I get around to it. Otherwise, yeah, follow me on Twitter and uh, we'll sure to engage there. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, well, Evan, a pleasure. And and, I, and and this is not, I'm not saying this for the sake of the podcast and sake of this interview. I really admire how you do things. Um, how person, you know, um, we're talking those, those digital relationships, uh, you know, on the, on the pre-show, you're very genuine and, and it comes across digitally and it comes across in this kind of uh, form, especially. And I appreciate that. Actually, it's all chat GPT. It's, it's not oh, me at all. Uh, it's just complete <laughs> fake. Don't Man, I'm a, I'm a sucker. I'm just kidding. Well, I but, appreciate uh, what you, you do. Know, one, one day uh, there'll be a digital version of myself and uh, we'll see if I'm as likable as I am in person. <laughs> well, hey, we'll stay tuned to that. So, hey, Evan, Kirstel, right. hey, thanks so much for your time here today. Thanks, Scott. Good to talk you to bet. you. All right, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I tell you, Evan, uh, I've been uh, following him for a couple of years now. I've had a great good fortune of collaborating with him for a little bit here and there. And he is someone not to miss across social media. You learn a ton no matter what industry you're in. Um, so check him out, uh, all those places, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, check out his LinkedIn newsletter, What's Up With Tech, you name it. And uh, you won't uh, be, you'll be very glad you did. Uh, but whatever you do, folks, uh, Scott Luton here challenging you 
to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.